welcome to my podcast, What is Going On Anyway? I'm your host, Anne Headley, and I don't usually start this way, but my friend Gabby asked me who the podcast was for, like very innocently, and I couldn't really answer that question. I'm nearly a year into this, and I'm still not quite sure why I'm doing this and who is my audience. And her asking me that question got me thinking. And I guess right now, that is what is going on anyway for me. I'd like to figure it out. So I'm going to try and introduce myself here. So many of you listening actually do know me. But the point of this podcast is to share my stories more widely than that. So I'm hoping somebody out there doesn't know me and I can introduce myself here. I am here in this podcast to talk about these next two weeks from the perspective of this new moon, the end of autumn season we are in, and my life as a middle-aged intuitive artist living on unseated Penobscot and Abenaki land in Maine, USA. I have a dance background, and I recently have found myself saying yes to dance opportunities as they come my way which is sort of a fun mystery to me as a nearly 50-year-old. No one promised any dance opportunities, even when I was younger. But we all knew somehow that it was a limited career. We had that picture in our mind that at 35, it was over, which wasn't a terrible atmosphere to be in. It was sort of like living for the moment, and it was very exciting, I think, as a young person in college imagining a career as a dancer. I really hope to be able to integrate my love of choreography more obviously in my life moving forward, though I don't know what that looks like beyond dancing in the woods alone and sometimes filming it. I'm an intuitive clairvoyant, and I currently talk to animals to express that professionally. Privately, I spend time with the land, and I do talk to trees. I'm also a divorced mom of three lovely complex, beautiful children. And I'm actively seeking peace and understanding through co-parenting. I had three home births and partially homeschooled my children, leaning into principles of radical unschooling, which, you know, that sounds one way to hear it unless you dive into it a bit. It's a lot more academically minded than I ever expected, but it really suits my love of learning, which is what fuels my endless curiosity. I'm also a yoga instructor with a background in Ayurveda, and I've begun to use sound with my teaching most recently involving a wonderful instrument called the body tambura, which you hear at the beginning and the end of this podcast. I'm sure there's other ways to describe myself, But these will do to help you understand me better and maybe to help you feel more connected to me as probably some of our interests align. I started the podcast because I used to teach regular classes pre-pandemic and I found what I missed the most were the informal satsangs where I let myself be open to the possibility that perhaps there was something to share that may feel more intuitive than informational. I guess it's a type of channeling, but I like to hold space in my mind between what I think channeling is, what my biases or stereotypes around that are, and what I do. Like, 
I know what it is. I know that when I'm doing this thing, that's not really how eloquent I can be. It's a little more eloquent when that flow comes out of me than the way I typically relate to my words. And it's actually sort of hard to explain, but then again, it's also like performance. It's like when the present moment shows up so clearly and you just surf that wave and it feels like you're being exceptionally human. That's what I keep trying to find opportunities for myself to experience that in my life. I get that in performance. I get that when I'm dancing. I get that when I'm telling stories to an audience. And I think I'm getting that from this podcast. It's like the present moment shows up so clearly and you can just surf that wave of presence. And that present moment surfing is what I'm reaching for. It's what I hope to share with you. What I hope inspires you to look for your own waves of presence. What ultimately I hope is the sort of internal revolution to happen inside of me, inside of another person and another person, chain linking, linking chains, I believe this is necessary to usher us all into the future collaboration of being here together. I'm especially interested in my own and other people's experiences of spirituality and this question, what are we here for? What is the meaning of life? I find myself asking that when I'm listening to other podcasts, yeah, but what does it mean to you? Um... I was listening to a naturalist talking about trees, very scientific. And this um, podcast was asking questions about the trees. And I thought, but what do you, what does it feel like? What does that mean to you spiritually to have that relationship with the tree? And that's the sort of thing that I keep wanting to reach further and ask those questions about what is the meaning of life? On December 11th, which was Yesterday, I participated in the global strike for a ceasefire in Gaza. I learned about this through social media. Like many of us, I was astonished by the U.S.'s veto of a ceasefire at the U.N. Security Council meeting last week. I felt a similar kind of sick feeling in my stomach uh, earlier when President Biden traveled to Israel in October and dismissed the first, I think it was one of the first hospital bombings as being perpetuated, and this is a quote, by the other team. And when he used that word team, like this is a game, I mean, he used the word team. I realized that even though I knew my government was deeply corrupt already, it hit my own innocence in a new sort of way, like it felt parental. You know how kids have to love their parents for survival, even though the parents might be abusive, it might be an abusive situation. That's the kind of awakening I was feeling and having. And yes, maybe it's embarrassing that it's taken me so long, but I kind of still had this hope that at least this atrocity, at least bombing a hospital would be stopped. And to see how deeply our government is involved in this war 
Despite an overwhelming public outcry for a ceasefire and alternate solutions, makes me feel hopeless, overwhelmed, all that stuff that suppresses action. I just had a call with my mom, and she's trying to figure out what kind of sign she wants to put in her yard. She wants to put something out for the season, kind of like, you know, peace on earth you might put out. And we recently were talking about the phrase, love and passion in action, or love and passion as action. And I like that, you know. What does that mean to me? What does it mean? What is my love and my passion in action? What does it look like? And I like it because that's a little bit different for everyone. And it makes a nice tapestry that we wouldn't all have the same action based on our individual love and passion. And that just speaks to that feeling of helplessness that could I bring it back to myself and ask, what is my love and passion? What does it look like in action? And it helped me feel bolstered to understand that even though my participation in a global strike affected Oh, gosh, it was just, I don't know, even know if it made any effect at all. But it was powerful to me. I didn't even turn the lights on for half the day. I thought, what are all the ways that I can strike in my world as a consumer? When I heard about this ceasefire, I thought, I'm one of those folks who my striking doesn't I don't have a nine to five job. My work is independent or speculative and there's not a very big ripple of me dropping out of consumer life for one day. And that made me feel a little bit powerless, even though I love the idea of a strike being global and being thinking about the powerfulness of a whole world stopping for one day and what that would do to insight change. I figured what I could do was strike in the ways that I'm usually actively consumptive. So it was very easy. I knew that I would stay off Instagram and Facebook. I don't use other social media apps very much, so I didn't use any of them. I promised myself not to buy anything online or in real life. I was very easily able to choose not to drive. It made Jason laugh to think like that wasn't a hardship for you at all. Um, With each choice to participate in a strike that I initially thought I couldn't participate in, my imagination kept asking the question, what if everyone did this? I thought like, if everyone in Maine did not turn their lights on today, what would CMP do? Wouldn't it freak them out? Would they notice? Would they panic? Would Netflix notice if for just one day no one watched anything? Or if absolutely no one stopped at Starbucks for an entire day? Would Facebook notice if no one posted or logged in for one whole day? I'm not sure. But just the idea of it got these juices flowing. It got my passion flowing. And I felt powerful in exactly the way I was feeling hopeless previously. 
So usually if I don't have an early appointment and if the boys are with their dad and Jason's gone to work, I'll scroll Instagram. Sometimes it feels like news gathering. Sometimes I'll get inspired or feel like I'm learning something. Sometimes it's just looking for the next thing and filling time with a feeling of impending something. Something next will jumpstart me to a new way of seeing things or a new inspiration. However, on this day that I dedicated to a strike focused on the heart of ceasefire, focused on the heart of nonviolence, on this day I did not scroll. I picked up the gorgeous novel I've been trickle reading, The Covenant of Water, and finished the last hundred pages. I went for a much longer walk with Sadie, investigating the flooding brook and river. We're in the last week of autumn here in Maine, Northern Hemisphere, and after a recent beautiful, fresh, new, cross-country skiable snow, we had a thaw and rain and wind. It's a fine day to strike capitalism, to strike the global power that believes people are more interested in their privileged comfort than expressing distrust of the abilities of our world's governments to caretake humanity. I'm feeling a familiar disillusionment that I'm uncomfortable accepting. When it became clear that my ex-husband did not have my best interest in mind at the end of my marriage, I actually couldn't believe it. I mean, I understood what was in front of me, but I didn't want to believe it for a while. Despite the evidence in front of me, it took a long time for me to accept that I was the best candidate available to save myself, to heal myself, to please myself, to support myself. I can't really expect a government formed by representatives that receive money from lobbyists and also answer to those lobbyists to have humanity's best interest at the forefront. The interest is going to be whoever the lobbyists are working for. I have to somehow come to a kind of maturity that holds me responsible for my part of the world that I want to live in, the one that I want to participate in, the one where I want to bring my kind of art to breathe in, to live in. And I'm not exactly talking about physical location, although that's part of it. I mean, what is my piece of the world? How do I participate in it and how can I take responsibility for it? These are questions that I'm holding in front of me. That was the hard part, actually, to accept. At the end of my marriage, I had to be responsible for caretaking the relationships in my life that mattered most to me, including letting some shift when they clearly had run their course. Not just my marriage, but in all ways in my life. I was doing this thing where I had an idea how things should go, a little controlling, and I wasn't as available to witness how things were actually going because I was all caught up in the way I thought they should go. Had I stopped and listened more, I may have been more keen to shift course sooner, or maybe not. I don't really know. I'm not interested in changing history, but 
I know that I was very caught up in controlling outcome rather than seeing what aspects of my life as they were needed to be attended to, listened to. But in the case of this humanitarian crisis in Gaza, and by talking about this, I don't mean in any way to dismiss other crises in the world, Congo, Sudan, Ukraine, North Korea, millions of small crises all over the world in addition to these larger ones. It's just that Gaza has a strong hold on my heart at the moment. I don't do a lot of charitable giving, but Doctors Without Borders is one that I've supported over the years. And when the bombs were disturbing the work of doctors, killing them, along with so many innocent children, civilians, my heart just velcroed on to wishing and wishing and wishing for ceasefire in Gaza. I also want to say this as part of um, what gets talked about around issues in war and as the mother of one adult man and boys, I don't have the valve in me anymore that says save women and children. Like why and in what world is it okay to bomb anyone? I mean, really, how do we think that stops violence? Like if two people in front of us are fighting, we stop them, right? We don't say, all right, go get your bombs and see who wins. It's like total insanity what we're looking at. How are we living in the year 2023 and accepting violence as an answer to problems? I get so worked up here, like I'm going to stop a brawl. And if that were really what I was confronting I might also look at the why behind the passion that provoked that fight. What is going on with that person that they have to resort to violence? You know, there are some unmet needs here. I don't know how to manage the scope of attending the needs of nations. So I have to turn the question back to myself and ask, what are the ways I exert power? How and in what ways am I unwilling to give up my position of power if I should find myself there. Not just with other people, but with my experience of nature. When I garden, am I an authoritarian? Am I a fascist? Do I make every decision about life or death in the realm of those garden gates? With my dog, do I let her decide the level of authority she has in our life together? And especially when I have harmed another person, whether intentionally or unintentionally? How do I invoke justice, repair, and heal what's been hurt? Also, in this same breath, I don't think we're meant to heal everything. That's sort of a recovering codependence desire for safety, you know, to heal. I'll just fix everything. Sometimes I think the best thing is to witness another person's pain without running away or even attempting to make it better. In the ways that I have power as a consumer, am I asking for my needs to be met? Again, what would it look like if enough people demanded that the country's resources be utilized to benefit the livelihood and well-being of the people, of all the people in the country, in the land? What would it look like if the UN had power indeed that it has in word? I wonder. 
So I turn once again to the I Ching, oracle, divine knower of the unknown, the one who knows change. What would you have us know for this new moon cycle, this new cold moon in Sagittarius that takes us to the solstice, that ushers us here in the northern hemisphere into the doorway of winter? And what we receive? Hexagram 49, radical change, and it moves to sprouting. So the question here is, how can you break the mold? How must the form change to express the essence? It is time for transformation. The old Chinese character for radical change, which also means leather, shows an animal hide. This is change like a shaman's, putting on a new skin to change your identity. And it is also revolutionary change. This hexagram marks the day when the Zhu people and their allies marched out to meet the armies of the corrupt Shang dynasty and defeated them. You change the governing principle and bring about renewal. In the moment of change, there's truth, sincerity, and a sure knowledge. Then the power of the whole unfolding creative process from the source through to fruition and fulfillment can enter here and change the world. And this sounds lovely. <laughs> Naturally, regrets vanish along with the past to which they belong. The new time is coming. The new time is coming. That sound of that sentence is something that I feel, I, I, I feel like I've longed for. The new time is coming. The new time is coming. And I like this interpretation. The forces at work in the situation are in conflict, leaving the path open to change. Yet the work of bringing about such a change is as difficult as it is important. People fear change because of its unknowable effect upon the future. So when a real need for changing makes itself felt, it is a serious matter indeed. Clarity, forethought, and great devotion are now required to achieve your purpose. If correctly handled, however, the results can lead to a progressive new era. All of this moves to hexagram three, sprouting. The questions to ask, what is beginning? Where is the growing center? And where can you find help for it? Sprouting is the very beginning, a growing center, putting out roots into the unknown and breaking through the hard soil. Inner life reaches out into the world experiencing resistance for the first time. The creative drive of heaven and earth joins together and grows. It's tiny, scarcely born, but burgeoning with life and a great desire to attain full growth. It's far too early yet to narrow all the possibilities down to a single destination. Just as a plant sends out roots in all directions, a new ruler needs to set up a network of feudal lords I just, I don't even like those words right now, but these are an image for helpers, human or otherwise. Everything that brings you support 
and expands your sphere of awareness and influence. In exploring all possibilities, you enrich and strengthen the center as growth begins. And I want to add this too, because it sounds like it's not just sprouting. It's also difficult, moving through hard soil, changing things. This is a time when things are struggling to take form in the self as well. Difficult beginnings, sprouting, may mark an identity crisis, which could manifest as confusion, indecision, or new tastes and desires. Accept these changes in yourself without combating them. Meanwhile, look for examples of your desires so you will know where you're headed. Seek advice freely, but do not take it upon yourself to embark on new projects or untried ventures. Hold now to your own center and allow fate to manipulate external events. It will take all of the energy and powers of concentration you possess just to organize the profusion of information coming your way. Yes. So, right, we're going into a new time, and we don't know who we are in this new time. It's like, ah, uh, I was just listening to Kim Grant's Kranz talk about a new board game that she has created called renunciation where you try to get rid of all of your attachments to seek enlightenment and it sounds like it's really fun and funny and probably worth a game night and in this game you take on an identity and and then you try to get rid of it sort of right and I think as we go into a new era we might find ourselves attracted and drawn to different things. We might find ourselves wanting to experience parts of life that we haven't before. And that takes on its own difficulties as we shift and adjust who we have been to who we are becoming. And this, of course, is the constant experience of life and change. So maybe that's nothing new. But one of the things that I am left with as a question as we finish here, I want to know what is our collective power? If I was going to join together with other people, what would I want to do with that power? I knew through my imagination on Monday when I was having my strike moment, I knew that I could feel that sensation of, wow, this is just me here doing this. And I'm not feeling the outer effects, but I could imagine so clearly what it would be like if no one turned the lights on for the day. And that felt incredibly powerful. And just to have that imaginal space was quite a potent moment for me. You know, what are all the things and all the ways that I contribute to this world, the part of the world that cares mostly about corporate well-being over civilian well-being, can I suspend some of those contributions? I don't know. It's a curious question, and it's something that won't leave me easily right now. And so with that, I hope you can find your own ways of feeling, even if it's imaginally feeling into the power that you have, even if it seems insignificant, as you sit with it and you use your consciousness to investigate these spaces, I wonder if you may feel what I felt 
of that potential, that possibility. It was like a little bit of hope inside of a lot of feeling of helplessness. And so I guess I leave you with that, a little bit of hope in the cold, dark beginning of winter. And I will leave you now until the full cold moon, which will actually be my final episode of the year. I'll be having a little personal celebration. I don't know what that means yet or how that will look, but I do look forward to sharing with you next time. Until then, may you be well. May you know peace. May all beings be well. May all beings know peace. Please reach out to me and let me know how you're finding these podcasts and let me know your thoughts and let me know if there's anything you want to hear about. I don't know that I'll talk about it, but I love to hear from you. And as always, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash watermoonstudios. Bye for now.